Welcome to Grace Church's podcast. Thank you for joining us. The following episode was recorded live during our Sunday service. Sermon notes can be found online at grace417.com. One of the themes that we've been talking about as we've been doing our series in Judges on Broken Heroes is how God God uses regular folks like you and I. Uh, uh, That's what he does. Uh, There is no plan B. You and I are plan A. And, uh, and God has chosen to use us to make a difference in this world. And we can so identify with the characters, with the stories, with the events that happen in the book of Judges uh, because all the heroes are broken. All the heroes are messed up. All the heroes in these stories have issues. And turn to your neighbor and say, just like you. Turn to your other neighbor and say, just like you. Yeah. Wow, you guys, that's the most enthusiastic I think I've ever heard you guys, ever. But we do, we have these issues, and so we find ourselves, though, in the, uh, in the, in the narrative, in the story of what God wants to do, and, and, and Gideon, as we talk about today, is a prime example of that. Uh, somebody whose response to the Lord was, who, me? Who, Me? Me? And that's, isn't that often our response to the Lord when He begins to move on our hearts, when He shows up? And so as I was preparing this morning, as I was considering what we're going to talk about, as I was meditating on the story of Gideon and the stories of Gideon, there's actually three chapters on Gideon, and we'll spend a couple weeks talking about him. I, I had this thought in my mind of, wouldn't it be awesome if we could just sit down with Gideon across a table, drink a cup of coffee together, and just have Gideon just tell us what his encounters with God were like, what this whole process was like. I was like, I so wish we could do that. And, and as I began to think about that, I was like, you know what? We, we really kind of can based upon the narrative, based upon the story, based upon what we find in these, in these passages. And so what I've done this morning, and it's going to be more than just this morning. Uh, it'll be this week and next week. I'm going to, I'm going to share just some principles that if, that if Gideon were sitting here with us today, if we were sitting across from a table from Gideon drinking a cup of coffee, I think, there's, I think this morning we're probably going to talk about five of them. Um, I think these are principles he would share with us. I think these are things he would say, you know, this is what I learned. This is what, this is what, these were my takeaways. This is, this is what I, I got out of this. And, and so I want to share these with you this morning. We're going to be in Judges chapter 6 this morning. And I'll start reading in, in, verse, in verse 1, Judges chapter 6, uh, verse 1. The Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord, and for seven years he gave them into the hands of the Midianites. Because the power of Midian was so oppressive, the Israelites prepared shelters for themselves in mountain clefts, caves, and strongholds. So I believe... I believe the first principle, the very first thing that he would talk to us about is, I believe Gideon would say this. He would say, it costs when you don't listen to and obey the words of the Lord. It costs something. It costs when you don't listen to and obey the words of the Lord. Because like true listening is, obey, is obeying, right? If you, if you really hear, that's why when we were raising our kids, we had them repeat back to us what we heard them say. What they heard us say, right? It's tell them to do something, and, and, and we'd, or we'd have them replete with "Yes, mom" or "Yes, dad," because, like, 
Have you ever had a kid or grandkid say, well, I didn't hear you, right? We were, our eyeballs were looking at each other, right? How did you not hear? But it's one thing hearing, and it's another thing hearing. And we hear, all right, then hopefully there's a, there's a choice of obedience to follow that. But, and Gideon would say, say, if you don't choose to listen and obey the words of the Lord, there's a price to pay. It costs something. And we see this in the story and judges, we, we have this cycle, right? It's, are, you guys, are you guys seeing this cycle, right? They, the Lord brings a deliverer. He raises up somebody, a rescuer, a leader, what's called a judge. And as he raises him up, he, the Lord blesses him, protects him, delivers him. They pursue God. And then a few years later, they're back to their old ways. And it, and it has cost. And it, and, and, and it hurts. And Gideon, I think he would say that to us. And we, when we don't listen to and obey the Lord, it hurts. It, it costs. There's loss that happens. This is what was happening this, in this situation. Uh, we know that in this day there was no king in Israel, and people just did whatever they thought was right, and they weren't organized, and it was just every person fending for themselves. And, and the Midianites saw the vulnerability of the people of Israel at this time. Uh, we've been reading in other chapters where they encountered actual armies. But here, the Midianites weren't armies. The, the uh, Midianites uh, and the Amalekites and the other people from the eastern area, um, if we were looking at a map up here and you were looking at Israel on the, on the west, you would see uh, the Mediterranean Sea, and on the east is the Jordan River. And these tribes were from the other side of the Jordan River. They were from east. And, and they would come over. Basically, they were like terrorists. Um, the, um, they weren't an organized army, but as the crops would, 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 would grow up at the time of harvest, the Midianites and the Amalekites and their, the other, these were nomadic tribes. Um, in fact, you've, you've heard the name Midian. It's like, okay, I've heard that name. It sounds familiar. Um, Midian was the son, was one of, um, Abra- it was Abraham, you know, Abraham in the Bible and Keturah. Um, one of his uh, handmaidens was, uh, uh, was, so was a son of Abraham. And uh, so these were like far distant, 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 distant relatives of the Israelites, but they weren't part of the, of the lineage of promise. Um, you remember um, Moses when he fled to the desert after he assassinated uh, one of the Egyptians? He fled to the desert and, and he ran into the Midianites and he married the daughter Zipporah of a priest of Midian. Okay, and Jethro even helped give some of the structure to the people of God in the time of the desert when he came and, and he, he met with Moses. But there had been a falling out. They had become um, enemies of the, of the people of God. And so they, but they were massive numbers of people. They were nomadic people. And as they would, basically the, the, the crops would, would, would grow up um, and they would come in. They would swarm in. The Bible says they swarmed in like locusts. Okay, they just, they were like a pestilence. It was like, it truly was like a a modern day act of terrorism. They would come in and they would just, it said they were so vast that it would just overwhelm everything. They'd come in and they would eat, they'd bring their, um, their herds in and they would eat the, eat the grass, they'd eat the food, they'd steal the crops. They just would destroy the landscape, destroy the economy of this agrarian people. And so this happened year after year after year, and, and the people were living in fear of the terrorists that were going to be coming again that year, and were going to be taking everything from them. And they began to live in caves. They began to live in holes in the ground. They began to hide. They were hiding their crops. They were hiding their livestock. They were living in fear. 
And it was because, it was all because they had not heeded the words of the Lord. It was, it was, and they had not heeded them. And, and it's, the Bible says they came in like swarms of locusts. Um, verse 5, it says, and I don't have it on the screen, but if you can see it in your Bibles, it was impossible to count the men and their camels. They invaded the land to ravage it. Midian so impoverished the Israelites, they cried out to the Lord for help. That word there, impoverished, in the Hebrew means they became small. They became so small. When we don't follow the words of the Lord, there is a shrinkage that happens in our soul. There's a shrinkage that happens in our life. There's a a becoming smaller, becoming less than that happens as we neglect His Word. And we see this, and and we would be amiss if we just skipped to the fun part of the story. Because you don't have a, a rescue of God without first these people needing to be rescued. But they cried to the Lord because of Midian. And, and in verse 8, again, it's not on your screen, but you can look at it in your Bibles. It says, and he sent them a prophet who is unnamed. He sent him a prophet, and this prophet wasn't named. And this was the word of the Lord. This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. I brought you up out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. I snatched you from the powers of Egypt and from the hand of all your oppressors. I drove them from before you and gave you their land. I said, I am the Lord your God. Do not worship the gods of the Amorites in whose land you live, but you have not listened to me. Wow. He sent him this prophetic correction Yet he doesn't even tell them he's going to rescue them. He doesn't tell them everything's going to be okay. He's like, there is a cost for not listening to the words of the Lord, for not obeying him. And, and as your pastor, I need to remind us of that, that there truly is a cost for not following the words of the Lord. And, and we see a great example of this, a great example of this in, in these stories, of this great, great cost that happens. You know, I, I've never been to England. I want to go to England someday. I want, to, I want to see it. I've heard it's beautiful. I've heard it's great. And then when I go to England, there's a garden that I want to visit. Its garden is in, it's called the Alnwick Poison Garden. It's in Northumberland, England. I actually have a picture of it here. I don't know if anybody here has ever been here, but it is a garden with the most, with, I think it's like the top 100 most poisonous, deadly plants in the whole world. It's all in one place, right? And so when you enter the gates, this is legit. This, is, this isn't fake news, okay? It's poison garden. It says, do not touch, smell, or eat any plant. Children must be accompanied at all times, okay? And, and, and I've seen pictures of it. It's actually very beautiful. It's actually very pretty. There's, there's beautiful manicured lawns and toperaries and beautiful blooms, but these plants kill. In fact, some of the plants that are, that are here are, uh, are foxgloves, which are, which are deadly. Hemlock, which is a plant which killed philosopher Socrates. The plant which you get strychnine from, like, these are the plants that are there. And you know what's amazing? Is that people get sick and pass out and faint and have to be, like, rescued every year in this garden, right? They smell the flowers, right? And it says, don't smell the flowers, right? But isn't this the human condition? Isn't this just like, like, like the Garden of Eden, right? Like, you can do anything, but don't. Don't eat of that one. Don't go near that one. But yet, they did. The children of Israel did. 
You and I, we do, don't we? We do. That's, but I'm so thankful we have a God who shows up, who rescues us in spite, in spite of, of what we do. And that's what he does. I think that's the second thing that Gideon would say to us today. I think if Gideon was sitting here with us across the table with a cup of coffee, he would say, the Lord showed up when I least expected him. The Lord showed up when I least expected him. Because that's exactly what happens. We see in verse 11, the angel of the Lord came and sat down under the oak in Ophrah that belonged to Joash the Abazarite, where his son Gideon was threshing wheat in a wine press to keep it from the Midianites. When the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. So the angel of the Lord shows up and he, he sits down under this oak tree. And, and Gideon, he sees the Lord show up in a way when he least expected him. Many scholars would say this would be the angel of the Lord. This would be the Lord himself who had come down, who would, who would show up here. And he, he shows up when Gideon least expected it. He was, he was threshing wheat in a wine press. Okay, and we read that, and it just it reads real quickly, but it's significant. Because you don't thresh wheat in a wine press. Okay, so what threshing wheat is, is it is, what threshing wheat is, is it's a way of harvesting, of separating the, the grains of the wheat from the chaff and from the other part. And so what they would do, they'd get out in a big open area, and where the wind's blowing, because you need wind to do this properly, and they would basically take like pitchforks, and think of hay or think of like a straw-type um, plant, and they would take it and they would throw it up in the air. And when they would throw it up in the, where, in, in the air, the chaff or the outside is going to be lighter than the seed, the part of the wheat that they can use. And when they throw it up, the wind would blow and it would separate and the chaff would blow away and then the wheat would fall and they'd be able to harvest it. That's how they separated it. Okay, in a wine press... Um, I've actually been in a wine press, in an old ancient wine press in Israel, and it basically picture, oh, something about the size of this platform here, and it's stone. It's built in stone, all sides, a roof, and there's a, a, a circular area, and there's like a big millstone or a big rock stone, and it goes in a circle, and, and somebody pushes it, or, or um, typically they would do that. Um, or they, they might have other ways, but typically they'd push this rock with like a, a beam through the middle of it, and they'd pour the grapes in and would crush the grapes, and then there's like a vat that it goes down into, and there's screens that they catch the seeds and, and the skin and all that, and then it works its way down, and then it comes out of a spigot. And that's how they would get the... But, but he was threshing wheat in a wine press, and God shows up at the least expected place in a not an expected time. Because of fear, Gideon was doing something that didn't really, I mean, it wasn't even supposed to be done that way. It really, I mean, it, it, it makes sense if you understand the fear that he was in. They were, he was trying to hide the wheat from the Midianites. He was trying to just, he was a farmer, right? He wasn't a warrior. He was a farmer. He was trying to eke out a living. He was trying to make sure he could feed the cows and feed the family and just trying to make it. And he was hiding in fear, and he was doing something you normally wouldn't do, and it logically doesn't make sense except the fear that he lived in. And when we find ourselves living in fear, we'll find ourselves doing things that don't really make sense without the context of the fear that we find ourselves living in, that, we can, that fear can truly control 
how, if we let it, how we live life, how we experience life. And the Lord shows up right there. We least expect it. I tell you, in my life, the Lord has always shown up in times where I least expect it. Where I'm not expecting Him, where I, I'm so caught or so trapped or so focused on the immediate need, the immediate situation, that I don't have a larger perspective. Psalm 59.10 says, God in dependable love shows up on time. He shows up on time. But I've discovered in my life that God shows up the greatest points of pain and of frustration, yet, like Gideon, we often don't recognize him. We don't recognize him in those moments. And that's when the Lord says to him, he says, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. The Lord is with you. That was the promise that he had. The Lord is with you. The Lord is for you. In this moment of trying to make things work, of using a hammer when a, when a, when a screwdriver is what's needed, right? You, it just didn't make sense what he was doing except the fear that he walked in and God showed up in that moment. And I think Gideon would tell us today, God shows up when we least expect him to. And in places where we least expect him to. And, and to me, it's just really interesting how the Lord's just sitting there, the angel of the Lord's just sitting there watching him. Like, the answer is right there, Gideon. Like, it's the Lord himself. The Lord of the harvest is here with you, saying, I am here. Gideon missed it. And I'm telling you, we can be so like Gideon. And I think we can be like Gideon in our response. Because I believe Gideon would say this. I too wondered if God still cares. I too wondered if God still intervenes. I still wondered if God still does miracles. We see that. That's basically Gideon's response. We see it in verse 13. The Lord says, I'm here. He says, the Lord is with you. He goes, the Lord is with you. He's like, I'm here. Mighty warrior. Okay, we're going to come back to that one. Mighty warrior. The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. And, and, and this is his response. Pardon me, Lord. Who me? Right? But pardon me, Lord. Gideon replies, but if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? Where are all his wonders that our ancestors told us about when they said, did not the Lord bring us out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and given us into the hand of Midian. Like, that is bold talk, isn't it? I mean, that is bold. But we see here, Gideon wonders, Lord, let's go back to the principle of point three, I think it is. Yeah. He wondered if God still cares, if God still intervenes and God still works miracles. You know, I can identify with Gideon in this. Because if we're really honest, right, if we're really truly honest, lay aside all the religious hoopla, the religious garment, the religious vernacular, just the religious shell of supposed to be good Christians, haven't you two wondered this at some point? God, do you still care? God, do you still intervene? You still work miracles, God? I mean, have you been in a situation like Gideon where you're grinding, you're just, you're, just, you're just reduced to grinding poverty, you're holed away in a metaphorical cave 
of maybe debt or maybe disease or maybe despondency or maybe depression or whatever it might be. You're just, you're just trying to survive, right? Even if you're trying to make it in a wine press, trying to separate wheat and oil. I mean, it doesn't kind of make sense, but you're just trying to make it through today. You're just trying to exist and you wonder, God, do you still intervene? God, do you still care? God, do you still do miracles? Because we understand like Gideon, Gideon refers back to the God of their history, of a God who, he, he's heard the stories of God's deliverance for Egypt. He's heard the stories. He's heard what God has done. But God, why are we this in this situation? Why have you abandoned us? Why have you forsaken us? That's his perspective. And I think we can identify with him. We can say, I mean, we can, honest, we can look at Scripture and say, Lord, I see, Lord, you delivered the children of Israel. I see you delivered them out of bondage in Egypt. I see you delivered Gideon. Because we'll, re- we'll find out about that. Was, we see where he delivered, where God delivered Jesus from the bondage of death. We see that. But then we ask the Lord the same question. Or we think we're in the same place Gideon was and, and we find ourselves saying, God, do you still intervene though? I know you did then, but do you do it now? I know you healed then, but do you heal now? I know, I know, I believe that you've done this, but what about me? What about my situation? What about what's going on right now? You cry out to God and it seems like no help is coming. But verse 12 tells us, he goes, I'm with you, you mighty warrior. Okay, God, if you're with us, then why has this bad stuff happened? Yeah, those words ever left your mouth or your, or your heart? God, if you're with us, why has this stuff happened? We feel like he's forgotten us and turned us over to, to Midian, turned us over to our worst fears. But you know what's interesting about God's response? I can identify with it. He doesn't give an explanation. He doesn't give Gideon an explanation, but he gives him direction. Verse 14, and and I don't have it up on the screen, but verse 14 says, The Lord turned to him and said, Go in the strength you have and save Israel out of Midian's hand. Am I not sending you? So he, he says, God, do you still care? God, do you still intervene? God, do you still work miracles? And God says, I'm with you. Go in the strength you have. You have enough. I haven't abandoned you. I haven't forsaken you. I'm with you. Go, even even though you don't perceive you have much strength, go in the strength that you have. I'm sending you. I'm sending you. And then we see Gideon still contends with the Lord. He still contends with them. The fourth principle that I think Gideon would, would impart to us this morning, if he were here having coffee with us, is he would say, friends, we do better when we take our focus off of ourselves and focus on the Lord. We'll do better if we can get the focus off of ourselves and onto the Lord. Because that's, what that, that's one thing Gideon struggled with. He would tell us that, that he struggled with being self-focused rather than God-focused. And, and we see this in verse 15. He says, pardon me, Lord. Don't you love, he's, at least he's polite, right? Pardon me, Lord, Gideon replied, but how can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh. So he's part of a weak clan. Manasseh was a tribe. We read earlier the, the clan he was from, the family he was from. He goes, and I'm the least 
in my family. So he's the least of the least of the least. I don't see how this is going to work out. And the Lord said to him, you, you, he would, the, Gideon would say to us, you'd be better off if you focused on the Lord rather than on what yourself. Because he could only focus on what he, he didn't have. Right? Have you been there? We're only focused on what we don't have, focused on what isn't right, focused on what's not working. And the answer is already there. You guys remember the answer is the previous verse. I'm with you. 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 And I'm telling you, when our perspective can change and get off of ourselves and onto the Lord, things start to change. But Gideon was struggling with that. He didn't understand that. He didn't, he didn't, he hadn't grasped all of that yet. We do better when we take the focus off of ourselves and focus on the Lord. But he had trouble doing that. He could just think of of where he had come from. And that brings me to my fifth and, and my final this thing I want to talk about this morning. This is what Gideon would say. The fifth thing Gideon would say to us this morning is this. He would say, family of origin issues are real. That's what he would say. Family of origin issues are real. I don't know if you, do you know what family of origin means or family of origin issues? You, you know, do you know what I'm talking about? So, a family systems theory um, therapist or psychologist, social scientist, understand that the family of origin that you come from greatly impacts your life. Like, oh yeah, now I know what you're talking about. That, that where you come from, the people that you come from, the family you come from matters. That it has impact. That it influences you. That it impacts you throughout your life. And you really, you can't get away from it. What you actually have to do is you have to deal with it. That you actually have to deal with family of origin issues. You have to deal with your past before you're actually able to move into your future. And you have to be able to deal with these things. You have to be able to look at at family of origin. And he was saying these family of origin issues are real. They're real. It's like I come from this family. He's like, but Lord... You don't know my family, right? You don't know we're just a bunch of bank robbers and horse killers. That's the family. Lord, this is, you just don't know, Lord. So can you, I mean, just think about your family a little bit, right? Okay? Now, some of you here may be, like, blessed with, like, family that, like, puts you in a position to do great things that, I mean, just, just like, we're just blessed in some ways that's just unbelievable. Some of you, like, not so much, right? Not so much. And, and you know what, what therapists will tell you is that, you, like, your emotional health of how your family, like, function, the emotional health, how you deal with stuff, that basically, like, when you leave home, like, when you, you know, when you're early, you know, late teens, early 20s, mid-30s, whatever it might be, but, but whenever you leave home, like, that's kind of like where you are, okay, in your emotional health. And unless you intentionally like, work past that, work through those family of origin issues, that's where you stay the rest of your life. And that typically people marry people that are about the same level of emotional health. 
and, and, and you just kind of build your life this way. And if you're able to move past some of those things and really address some of those things, they also say this, that when you get back with your family, that within three days, you're back to that same place of how you processed life. Right? There's some of you like, oh my, life is like making sense right now. I understand so much more about life. Right? It's like when I go home to Oklahoma, I'm around my family, I start talking like a hick again within three days. I'm a hick again. I just, it happens. I can't. And, but isn't it true? Like the, just think about the way your family handled conflict. Okay? Just, just think about how your family handled conflict. Don't hit your neighbor right now. But just think of how your family handled conflict. Think about how your family handled money. Think about how your family of origin um, talked or didn't talk about stuff. Think about how your family of origin um, served the Lord, loved each other, served each other, didn't serve each other, right? See, those things. And when the Lord says He wants to use us, when the Lord says, hey, I want to I use you, I, I'm with you. When He says about us, well, we don't even know to be true about us. It's like, but Lord, do you know where I come from? Do you know my past? Do you know my family? Do you know what these things? He's like, yeah. He's wants to put us in the family. Right? You didn't choose family. He put us there. And like Gideon, we can come up with every excuse. We can come up with every reason of why it won't work, on why we can't do it, on why this thing isn't going to work out. But it helps us to understand those family of origin issues because God is not limited by that. Are you not, are you, aren't you thankful God's not limited by your past? Aren't you thankful God's not limited by where you come from? He's not. The Lord answered him. Verse 16, he goes, I will be with you. You'll strike down all the Midianites, leaving, leaving none alive. I will be with you. See, it's the same promise he gave Moses. It's the same promise he's now giving Gideon. It's the same promise he gives you and I. I will be with you. That's the answer. The answer is not our credentials. The answer is not where we come from. The answer isn't family. The answer, the answer is if the Lord is with us, who can be against us? The answer is the presence of the Lord in our life. This is, this is the key right here, is to trust His promises and obey His commands. That's what he was saying. He's like, I am with you. I will be with you, and I will strike down the Midianites, none and you will strike down on the Midianites, none, leaving none alive. That today, if we can trust His promises and obey His commands, we can learn so much from Gideon. Now, as a speaker, as a teacher, as a, as a preacher, as, as one who, sh- who, who shares the Word of the Lord publicly, I find myself in... Um, difficulty. And I knew this was coming. I knew this moment was coming this morning, okay? And this is the moment, is that I'm leaving a lot of unresolved issues, right? So what you like to do as a speaker is you like to, to, to bring the problem, and then you bring the solution. God saves the day, and everyone lives happily ever after. Can I get a big amen? Yeah, and service is over, right? Those, I mean, that's what you love to preach, but I can't do that today. 
Today I specifically felt like I was supposed to, to end the service after this point of basically leaving everybody in a conflicted state of 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 a person who is of a people who have not responded to the words of the Lord, who are being under under great oppression from their enemies, who their life is ravaged and bankrupt, and they're hiding in caves. They're hiding in wine presses. They're, they're trying to eke out a living. They're focused on their past. They're constricted in their family of origin. Like they, the God's made them promise, but they don't know what to do. They don't know how to respond. I want to leave you this morning with that gift of tension. I want you to wrestle with it this week. That's how we say that in Oklahoma, wrestle, just in case. I want you to contend with that this week. Because in this story, he begins to realize, maybe this is the Lord. And he says, I'm going to go prepare an offering. And he says to the angel, Lord, says, Lord, would you wait here till I get back? Because we still have some unfinished business. And the Lord says, I'll be right here waiting on you. And so this morning, we're going to go because we have some unfinished business in our life. And I want you to, to contend with some of these thoughts and principles this week. It's in your, your, your app, Grace Church app. You can be reading this. You can look at this. And the Lord's saying, yeah, He's going to be here next week. He's going to meet begin with us next week. And He's going to help us with some of these things. Would you bow your head with me this morning? With your head bowed and your eyes closed. I don't know your story. I don't know what brought you here today. I don't know the journey you've been on. But I'm here to tell you God can meet you in a pretty unexpected way. Even in a service. Even in church. Especially here this morning. And if you feel like your life has been robbed, has been bankrupt, has been terrorized by the enemies of your soul, I'm here today to tell you that God is here, that God is for you, that God is not against you, that He has brought you to this moment for this time of rescue. You're not limited by your family. You're not limited by your past. You're not limited by your history that you serve a God who can make all things new. The sin, the brokenness, the hurt. Friends, we serve a God who says, I'm here. I'm here in the midst of that. I'm here. I want to give you a chance to respond. I want to give you a chance to say, yes, Lord. A chance to to say, Lord, I receive. Lord, I need you, Lord, in my life. I want to turn everything over to you. I want to come home to you. I'm not going to run any longer. I need you, Lord. If that's you today, would you you look up at me? Would you raise your hand towards me? I want to pray for you. I want to lead you in a prayer to connect you to the God of Israel, the God of the Bible, the God of today, the God of the here right now. You'd say, Jay, that's me. That's me. I've been running and I need the Lord today. I need His rescue today. Anybody here? Even if you haven't raised your hand, even if you, in your heart, please respond to the Lord. 
Say yes to Him. Let somebody know. I want to lead us in a corporate prayer. Lord, Lord, we find ourselves like Gideon so often. Lord, we find ourselves, Lord, stuck, broken, empty, bankrupt, hurt, struggling. Lord, I thank You, Lord, that You come right there in that moment in in our pain and our brokenness and our weakness. And Lord, You see in us what we don't even see in ourselves. Lord, so often our response to You is, Who me? Lord, I thank You. Your, Your word is to us is, Yes, You. Yes, You. Lord, I know there's some turmoil. Lord, I know that there is just unresolvedness, Lord, in people's life. Lord, let us not bury it. Let us not hide from it. But Lord, I pray, Lord, that we would And our brokenness, Lord, allow You to bring healing in our lives, Lord. So that we can do what You've called us to do. So we can be who You've called us to be. In Jesus' mighty, mighty name. Amen. 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 We trust that this teaching made a difference in your life. If you would like more information on giving your life to Jesus, visit us on the web at grace417.com. Thank you for joining us and we pray you have a blessed day.